All right. Well, I thought we should open this week. We, before we recorded, we were talking a little bit about how uh, this time of year, all of a sudden one starts thinking about Christmas and then Halloween. But here's, here's my question. I have not done the thorough research, for, so it might be a short question. But over, over, there, over there across the, the channel, across the Atlantic, depending on where you are, do, do y'all have candy corn? Is that part of your culture? Candy corn? Mm. Not well, by that word, but I'm sure it basically means chocolates and sweets, in which case, yes. It, it is it is in the sweet zone, but uh, but candy corn is specifically it's this little gooey thing that it, it looks like a um, well it's called candy corn but it looks more like a extracted tooth you know if you pull a tooth out and the root is there it kind of like that that triangular thing but let's it, it, it would probably sell le- poorly if it was called candy extracted tooth. I, yeah. I'm guessing, but you're not selling me on it so far. Do we no. have it? No, I'm, but, I'm not missing it thus far. But let's imagine an elongated kernel of corn, right? So kind of that shape and elongated, and 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 it, uh, I forget the order, but it's basically there's stripes of orange, white, and brown, and uh, I don't know. It has kind of a, a slightly distinct, like uh, kind of like gooey taste. Candy corn, big big in the states. During it's only a Halloween candy. You don't really see it any other time. I'm sorry, I've not. I'm, I can't source this for you. No, I haven't seen this stuff. I was in a store yesterday that did carry carry uh, Hershey bars and Reese's cups and that sort of stuff, mm. but it was it was boxed in a fancy box and sold as a New York selection or something like oh, that. Oh, a New York selection. That's oh, fantastic. Yeah, there was like different types with different stuff in there. Yeah, all brands that you would recognize. Uh, you know, being being from the part of the world that you're from. But um, but that's the best I've got. Uh, uh, I'm not sure I've seen candy candy canes that look can- like. Yeah, well, I'll have to find maybe for the show art or at least the link. I'll have to find a picture of candy corn. Maybe I'll even do a little bit of extra research and find some sort of uh, educational uh, video <laughs> about the history of candy corn. But it is, uh, yeah, it's just some weird, I guess, regional thing that we have. I was, I was, you know. I was back in the States for our VMware Explorer, and I, I bought like four bags of it to bring back here to the Netherlands for our own uh, our own uh, Halloween excitement. Well, before I we get started... Makes, I think that makes you a dealer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I've not seen that on the prohibited list for planes, though. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, you have to pay extra duties on candy corn. I, I, I hope not. I hope not. Well, before we do get to our, our, you know, our, our news wrap-up, uh, of, of the last few weeks, or several several weeks actually, uh, you know, as as I'm sure we three all know, we have our our uh, we had VMware Explorer, which we'll get into here briefly. But our next big conference here in VMware Tanzu Land is the uh, the Spring One Conference, which we have December sixth and eighth, also in San Francisco. So I'll uh, maybe there'll be some sales on candy corn uh, when I get there. We'll see if it lasts that long. But uh, you know, if you want to check that out, I think there's a, a a first round of talks selected. I don't know if they're posted yet. But if you go to springone.io, you can check that out. And I have a special discount code. Now, now, Ed, I want you to guess how much uh, you get off when I give you this discount code. It's going to be difficult, so put your thinking cap on. 100%. The dis- it's got to be 100%. Wow, well, that would be nice. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's close. So, you know, With that logic, it, it, when you hear the code, it almost looks like you get paid to go. But it, the discount code is just COTE200. That's C-O-T-200. Now... Other than two hundred percent off, yeah. what do you think? What do you? Th- and that would be great. You would actually make money by traveling there. Yeah, yeah. What? What? What do you? How much money do you think you get off if you use that code? So it could be two hundred candy corns. Uh, okay, this is a good guess. It could be two hundred <laughs> pence. 
pounds, two hundred dollars. I could go on. I'm going for two hundred dollars. That's right. Well, the only way the listeners will know is if they actually register and use the code, and then and then they can find out uh, which one it is. But uh, yeah, so just go to springone.io and check it out. I think I think all of us would highly recommend uh, going there. I I don't know if y'all have been involved in looking over talks, but I have, and there's uh, there's many great ones there, which which will be fun. So as mentioned. This was last week, right, Ben? That we had VMware Explore. I've I've lost track a little bit. I had I had a little vacation uh, after that, so I had like some double traveling. I think I know where I am and what's going on. But last week we had VMware Explore, formerly called VMworld, uh, and I was there. I did a, a lot of, a lot of things. But but tell me uh, from afar, Ben. I know you watched several things. What what was uh what was going on there? What what were the the highlights that you had of of watching from uh, from afar? Well, there were many, but uh, but what springs to mind immediately is just how beautiful it looked, right? The, the, mm. the uh, I'm thinking specifically about the the keynote, which folks will be able to. Uh, it's called the general session. Well, folks will be able to watch that online now. We'll we'll put some uh, a link in the show notes. But uh, absolutely beautifully stage managed production looked really nice. The folks who were on there were super engaged. Uh, Deshaun made a particular name for himself by uh, using the phrase jazzed and pumped. People were making t-shirts with this afterwards. There was a lot of energy in the room. It was very, very engaging uh, piece of TV to watch. It was just like a, a really well-managed piece of TV. So it was. if you haven't seen it, you should go online to the... Um, VMware.com slash explore, have a look mm. through the, the sessions, look for the general session. But yeah, it was it was really good. And then and then of course there was lots of announcements in there. So were, there were things like um VMware ARIA, which is a, a new uh sort of suite of tools to help you uh, manage and inspect and and govern everything that you've got in your uh, cloud space. So Lots of uh, lots of big news, also lots of small things going on, you know, little bits of news, just small increments of things adding along, but it all adds up to a huge pile of stuff, I think. So um, well worth checking out, I, I would say. Go to uh, vmware.com slash explore and have a look around at all the videos that are listed there, which went on super fast. Like within mm. hours, videos were starting to appear on, mm. on the uh, conference website. And that, that r very, very rarely happens. You know, none of that waiting a month to see, you know, what someone said last October. It's kind of like there <laughs> straight away. So you should go and check it out. That's yeah, the yeah. COVID thing, isn't it? COVID made sure because all the conferences went online, the expectation now is stuff's there straight away. So, which is great yeah. from my point of view. I'd much rather have things available straight away. You can't possibly be in every session, watch everything. But you want to know if I didn't catch that one in person, and I wasn't there either. I can go on online and watch that. So, yeah, I agree, hundred percent. It's kind of like you know, we 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 do all this effort to get it online and get people to know about it, and use Twitter and you know uh, LinkedIn and various other places, so folks are engaged and they know what's happening. And then if they can't access it, it's really frustrating. So I, I love the fact that it was so fast. Uh, and instantaneous and all of those sort of keynotes from all the different um, business groups were also uh, put on really quickly as well and they all look great so yeah I thought that was good but Michael you were there what was it like pacing around the show floor how many steps did you do uh, you know what stood out for you well, def definitely pacing. I mean, I think when you go to a conference, you 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 uh, you end up having like ten thousand to fifteen thousand steps. If if you're doing it, I I think I I uh, uh, I'm a bit lazy. 
So I maybe only 10,000 steps is, is what I got. You know, I have, I don't know if it's professional to admit this, but I have this practice of watching the keynote from my hotel room uh, just because the streaming is really nice and then you can enjoy some in-room coffee, kind of relax. Uh, so that probably cut down my steps, not, not walking around there. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, I hadn't been to the, the Moscone or I was asking someone how to pronounce that in Italian and they suggested it would be Moscone. So I don't know where that E ended up at the end there, because I think the guy it's named after was of Italian origins, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it was nice. And, you know, I haven't uh, I haven't seen all the operations people in a long time. Like I go to a lot of DevOps days and they're slightly different than the operations people that you see uh, at, at, a, at a VMworld or a VMware Explorer. So it was fun to run to them and all the vendors. And yeah, there was uh, there was a lot of people there. And the the show floor, as it were, all, all your all your big brands, and then the people that you know, you got your Fujitsu's, your IBM's, your AWS's, your Google Clouds, and then all sorts of small booths. There was one guy who was the um, who is he? He's like I'm gonna embarrass myself by not remembering. He's like the CTO advisor, and he brought a whole Airstream trailer in there, and yeah, uh, had he- a lot of interviews. There you go. And uh, I think he had a good joke at Twitter that like you know you should come over here to see our ten thousand dollar carpet. Uh, that, that cost them $10,000 just to get a carpet in there, and uh, which is fine. And so related to that, like what the I gave two talks uh, while I was there, and um, I don't know if they'll be posted publicly. I'll have to find and download them uh, so that I have them preserved for all time in my time capsule. But what is public uh, is we, we, did, uh, we had a, a stage set up where we did, uh, I think it was five or six sort of presentation slash interviews. Uh, with various people from the kind of like, I don't know, infrastructure cloud startup world. People like uh, uh, from da- uh, like Dagger and Docker and uh, Spotify about backstage things and uh, several other companies. But what I'm going to put at the end of this episode is uh, an interview. I wasn't there, uh, but my, my co-host Alex Williams was there. And it's I'm going to put on the back of this episode an interview that he did with uh, Jen Kelly from from Spotify going over backstage and uh, I just watched it this morning and it's it's a pretty good overview of what the deal with with backstage is and also the the kind of experience that Spotify has uh, putting it out there and uh, I think I think in some of the future episodes I'll I'll put some other interviews uh, to accompany our new segment here uh, with it and really if you want to see them ongoing I'll put a link in the show notes at tanzutalk.com if you want to uh, get a little preview of the uh, the interviews and presentations if you can't wait for it to come out in the feed here. But uh, speaking of releases, there was also a Kubernetes release that came out. I think 1.25. What, uh, so, Ed, what are some highlights of that release? Because that, that is the thing that everyone seems to care about, the, the Kubernetes, the substrate that <laughs> yeah. is, that, that's providing so much fun in our industry. So what, what's new and fun in it? So, uh, well, new and fun, you know, or, or new, it doesn't have to be fun. New. I think we'll stick with just new. Um, <laughs> actually, it is a bit of that, right? I look at this very much and I think, so a lot of what is in there is sort of security. It's stuff graduating from what used to be beta into stable. There's a lot less of the, we now have storage, there's a CSI interface kind of stuff, mm. which okay, in our world was fun. Hey, we can do storage or we've refined networking. Now we're getting down to the, as always, last security. Yeah, it's never last, but it is, you know, with that bolting index bits to security. So if we have a look, if I, where's my notes I gave myself somewhere? I've lost them. There we go. Uh, ephemeral pods. That's one that's been sort of coming for a while, right? So 
the issue of not being able to do debugging because maybe your container image has none of the tools that you need in it um, and you're stuck in a catch-22. You've got a pod, you need to do some diagnosis, you can't do anything. These, the ephemeral pods are designed to sort of help you spin up something alongside your pod just for the sake of debugging and then mm. again. Um, so it'll be interesting to see once that gets into kind of the base Kubernetes, how it gets used by everybody else. Everyone has observability and other things built around it. How are they going to, you know, that basic functionality, how will it get used by everybody? Um, I love this one. I think I think this is much needed, to be honest, because it caters to folks like me who are completely useless most of the time when it comes to really digging into what's going on inside Kubernetes, you know. Uh, so, you know, the idea that you could spin up an extra pod temporarily that has a whole bunch of tooling in it that you might be familiar with rather than a hardened pod where it's all been stripped away to reduce the, um, you know, the security footprint of it. Uh, it, it. I think I could see myself going straight to the documentation for that and giving that a try once it appears in, you know, some of these cloud providers uh, online, I reckon. So I, I think that's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. And I'm sure that's going to make its way into all their exams, like the CKIN things. That's just going to be bread and butter in no time at all. Um, I remember doing that and just the number of times you had to do various arcane command lines just to try and troubleshoot something. Whole new topic for that. Brilliant. Well, not that I want to do that again. Um, so what else was in there? There was some stuff around uh, grace periods, termination. And so essentially when you're talking, you know, is your pod in a ready state? Is it not termination status? All those kind of uh, ready probes. There's some extra functionality in there to just help with stability. Um, so min ready seconds. Um, so again, they're, you know, they're little tweaks. They're right down at the very low level, but they're just the kind of thing that you're getting to where everyone says, actually, the settings that are currently there aren't quite enough. I want something a little more precise. That'll do the trick. Um, so they'll just find some little use case where everyone says, that solves my, my little itch particularly. I don't have to write some custom code or controllers. I can just have it built in. Um, I see notes here from you, Ben. Time zone in cron jobs, which I've never really thought about, but yeah, like anything. <laughs> you kind of sometimes just need to know. I got caught out by time zones because I was on holiday for a couple of weeks. So I did the stuff you'd have thought. they. I mean, I guess they have sort of, right? I was in Spain. I booked in a couple of meetings while I was on holiday. Um, bad me, maybe. So my calendar automatically said, hey, you're in Spain. Let me book those in the Central European time zone. I didn't know I was doing that. So I booked it in at, you know, midday when I thought the meeting was. Mm. I home and all, every meeting I booked was like an hour out because it assumed <laughs> my time zone. I didn't know that. Ah, chaos. But I'm sure <laughs> well, I said time... for a cron job where you could be, you know, installing it in China from, you know, the US or whatever. A cron job, normally you're just telling it, okay, this, this, this time of day, this date, you know, this regular, you don't really set a time zone on it. So I'd never thought of it before either, but it seems yeah. like, oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, why don't we have that? So having that go stable, that sounds good. And um, C groups as well. I, I definitely remember having some compatibility issues with C groups um, because as you move between different, uh, operating systems, I think, like different Linux versions, depending on the kernel you've got, you'll get either C groups v1 or C groups v2. Mm. You've got v2, it'll stop certain things happening. I definitely remember sticking points there. So it's nice to see that, uh, you know, that stuff's all moving along. Like I said, small increments, but, you know, they, they can make a big difference to some folks, depending on what issues they're seeing, I think. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And hopefully the fact we're getting down to these smaller features means the whole thing is getting more stable, right? Because whether it's C groups or not, as you said, it can be a little kernel difference. What you want to get to is less of that variance. 
more of just, you know, everyone's happy with this version. Don't change it because the least, the more things change, the more things break. So we want to be getting down to actually there is less and less and less changing. I think this release said it had 40 changes or something compared to 46 and the one before. So there's still some, but I said, I think compared to the early releases, you're hard pressed now to see big bang stuff. It's all nice to have rather than can't believe that wasn't there before. Just fun things around the edges, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it seems like time zones are such a problem. Maybe there should be a practice in any sort of like, you know, uh, timed basing at this level of computational wor- of the of the computational world where like it always just makes you double check and it's like here are three example time zones this is actually going to be in in case uh in case it, it gets messed up because it uh all, always a problem just to, exactly uh, time zones should be so simple but they still confuse me i still have multiple clocks on like my pull out on mac os and other things and still somehow somebody asks me stuff I my brain still struggles over the hang on is that forward behind people like my my brother lives in Canada there's always that so when he said Thursday at five in the morning what time is that for them is mm. it Friday night yes. you know, <laughs> it's ridiculously difficult for something so simple yeah, hey I've got an idea why don't we just make everyone use GMT uh-huh. yeah. everyone has to get up at GMT you know uh-huh. seven AM GMT or whatever yeah and how convenient <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for some people. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Maybe we, that we should, there should be some national treaty where we just randomly select a time zone and for forever, we just go with that. Just like who, who the great time zone, and we could really make yeah. it complicated by doing it every year and uh, we'll figure out what, what the time. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it with the drop of the of the ball in New York on New Year's uh-huh. Eve. You know, it'd be like, and then when it gets to the bottom, it says whichever time zone is going to be this year's time zone. I, I like I like that. That that we'll we'll uh, we'll suggest that maybe to some sort of ISO or ITEF group or an yeah. RFC process. I'm not of sure. Of course, which. if if it picks one of the ones, you know, say China, the ball would drop. It would be New Year, and then you'd be like, right, go home. It's over already. I'm gonna go forward. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll, also. Well, I'll, I'll also, right? Go through it alphabetically. Oh, that's like, a good idea. Th- uh, then you can anticipate it and plan yeah. and plan ahead. And PST will be right near the bottom. <laughs> to- <laughs> totally. Well, also, it, it looks like you know, uh, going way back in time. Every, everyone remembers uh, Heroku. In fact, I think I think that drove a lot of uh, what what uh, what we have nowadays. You know, the, the great the great paths from long ago. Uh, also, the origin of the twelve factor. Uh, application manifesto, as I recall, which, uh, you know, I always like to say one of the best pieces of technical marketing ever created. It's fantastic mm. that, that these things were outlined and lasted this long. Uh, but it looks like finally, I'm glad I saw this because finally they're going to, uh, not finally, as if it's inevitable, but they're going to phase out the free tier that they have, which I think my other podcast, Software Defined Talk, relies on that to make it easy to sign up for Slack. Because I'm not sure if this, maybe we'll have to finally move to Discord where you can actually just sign up for it without having a special invitation. But I think we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to have an emergency strategy session and bring in the product managers over at that podcast to figure out what to do. But you hit I, the nail on the head though. That's exactly the problem, isn't it? There's, there's hundreds of thousands of hobbyists and mm-hmm. other sort of undocumented uses of these uh, of these platforms and it's a it's a big deal for some when they go away i reckon yeah especially at that i mean it's uh the, so so many nice things about heroku and and people like ourselves 
who have taken advantage of those nice things for free. And you know, <laughs> I, I, I am never one to uh, begrudge people uh, making sure that they have a good business behind them. And uh, it's, it's uh, I mean, they launched in like 2007 or six, I think. So uh, they're, uh, it, it, do you pronounce it largesse? They're, uh, they're, they're giving away to the community has, mm-hmm. has been plenty, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah, how, they how still, they still even today uh, contribute a great deal, don't they, to the build pack um, open source, for example. That's right. So there's an awful lot going on with build packs uh, to this day. Buildpacks.io, very popular. Paquetta, of course, is included in some of our stuff, and and we use them uh, a lot to make sure that containers are secure. And that that also, um, you know, is, is helped along immensely by Heroku, and they still contribute to that today. But uh, what what made me chuckle was the fact that they have a Minecraft build pack. Yeah, I hadn't seen that before. But <laughs> what are people going to do if they can't run that for free? It's so sad. It's like taking the, the toys away from the kids at Christmas, really, isn't it? It's like... Oh, Surely someone will Minecraft. do like... You know, you can get all the, the Unify networking gear and it has to yeah. run its own little software to find controller in the cloud. And then someone ran a business, Hostify, where they said, you know what, there are, again, it's kind of thousands of little hobbyists and home labbers all want to run their one VM somewhere, I will just set up a dedicated service for it. So someone might take the Minecraft bit of Heroku and go, there you go, free Minecraft Heroku thing built in with some Microsoft advertising, who knows? But I figure they'll find a way, especially with Minecraft. Oh, there's plenty of choices for Minecraft servers. Yeah, you can do you can do that and you can get free ones in the cloud, but they are managed by someone else and you sort of have to jump through their hoops and you know they're always tr- basically trying to hold you upside down by your ankles to see how yeah, much money they can get out of you so yeah having an ability to just run it for free on heroku <laughs> it's such a shame that build back will be a bit you know neglected maybe i don't know but all these kids will be why why daddy what's, what's yeah, happened to our server never well happened. well maybe maybe over there in salesforce tower this is part of the new uh monetization strategies they might start charging for, uh, they'll have a special dynamo, the Minecraft dynamo, or whatever they call it nowadays. <laughs> that, and, you know, they don't want to do the upside-down ankle trick. It'll have a reasonable uh, fee for it. Maybe you can even use... What's the currency they have in Minecraft? Just coins? Maybe you can... Uh, uh, have, probably emeralds, I reckon, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. Like that. Well, their biz dev people will call it Microsoft and get some uh, alliance going around <laughs> uh, using the currency to pay for, uh, for Heroku. Well, also... Uh, speaking of, of long stayed mature things, it looks like, uh, you know, I, I didn't dig into this, so, so maybe one of you two can go over it, but it looks like Nginx, the, uh, I, I think they're probably, I haven't checked in a long time, but they, at one point they were like the number one used uh, web server out there, uh, for people, but they're, they're used in all sorts of stuff. But what, uh, what, what have they been talking about recently? What's the news that I missed there? So they put out a blog post, which, and I didn't know much about the background. I'm like you. I just, I knew Nginx is everywhere and still is everywhere. It's used in every example and every tutorial and everything else. Um, so it caught me a bit by surprise, but the, the blog post is almost, the tone comes across as kind of apologetic of, essentially, we've got the tone wrong. We've been monetizing stuff almost too much or getting the wrong balance between what goes in open source, what goes in commercial versions. And they, it kind of felt like they felt like they'd, got that balance wrong missed a bit of a boat so the blog was saying we're actually going to you know take stock and change course and we've heard a lot of feedback from a lot of users so we're going to rebalance what what features we put where how we develop things going forwards um they've been looking at 
the new gateway API and saying that seems to be the future. And I'm guessing that wasn't for them beforehand. Maybe they hadn't seen that so much. Um, and I think some of it is just rationalizing, right? They had like at least three different versions. They caused some sort of confusion between product versions. Um, and they, you know, I guess in some ways it's quite good of them to stand up and say, kind of got something wrong um, and we're going to fix it. Um, yeah, that wasn't Nginx or my dog. <laughs> yeah, my, my, dog is, my dog is very excited about the, the new yeah, direction over there. The vote of confidence, I think I heard there. As always. <laughs> I wondered which one of us was under attack. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it's probably uh, you know, a delivery notification from from uh, my my dog there. You know, you know, speaking of notifications. Uh, so the I think the last thing to go over, much like my dog is an event-driven system uh that notifies me of things. It looks like Amazon has published uh you know, some examples of uh serverless code snippets out there, which I think I think I am always uh curious about how how the dream of serverless is going. And maybe it's just because I don't have the right uh, Google alerts or RSS feeds set up, but I don't uh, I don't get informed about it uh, too much, but I'll have to go over there and bra browse the uh, the snippets and see like see what people are doing with it. Do y'all do y'all encounter like a a lot of serverless stuff out there? Like, what's how's the momentum around that seem to be doing? Uh, you, make, <laughs> you make the right you make the right point in that it's 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 really hard to say exactly how you know how it's doing I, I couldn't tell you the health i couldn't give you a health check on that on that particular thing i know it's always been you know for me speaking personally as uh, you know previously being a developer for a long time it was always something that was on the to-do list but never really graduated to the must-have list you know what I, mean? mm. <laughs> I must do this it was always the to-dos rather than the must-dos and um, that's a shame, you know, because I feel like I'm missing out a little bit on on what's going on in that uh, in, in that space, perhaps. And these snippets seemed like a really good way to try and just take a look and understand what's happening in that area and how you might be able to get started in that area and have useful code in that area. Uh, these particular ones from AWS. What I liked about them was, was that they um, covered lots of different aspects of things that you might want to do in your um, serverless applications. And they had uh, code samples for multiple languages, which I also thought was was a really good way of sort of, you know, meeting people where they are. The website looks great. The search facility looks great. It's really well laid out. The code snippets look really easy to follow. It looked really well thought out, and I like that about it. So, so I'm all for anything that sort of empowers people to try things out and to, you know, maybe get the best out of them, even though I'm not getting the best out of them in this particular case. So, so another link to put on the for later list. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we should definitely do that. I think uh, it was it was it was uh, it was a nicely done site, definitely. Well, uh, you know, looking through that reminded me of, uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've, as many of us, I've been curious about like what, what the deal with backstage is and, and uh, how to describe it. And I don't know if we have like a great pat way of describing it yet. Maybe we do. But uh, it does seem like, you know, obviously this list of serverless stuff is public, but it seems like this kind of uh, here are examples of using uh, services and code. Like that's one nice thing. It seems like you can do when you set up uh, how you're using backstage, have your kind of portal, you know, in the Tanzu application platform, we have like a couple of API browsing and documentation, things like that. But it was uh, making me think of that. Speaking of which, 
that's the news that we have for this week. And and if you're uh, if you're listening to this, what you can hear next is uh, an interview with uh, Jen Kelly going over. You know, she works over at Spotify. She's worked at Google Cloud and other people. And there's an interview with my friend uh, Alex Williams from VMware Explore, as we talked earlier about uh, kind of going over what backstage is. And maybe I've listened to it. Maybe I need to go back and listen to it again to get really that that very pat phrase understanding of what exactly backstage is, other than my explanation is like a intranet portal site for developers, which is about as thrilling an explanation as it sounds. I think anytime you can work intranet and portal into the same phrase, you should probably just throw that into the trash and start over again because uh, it doesn't. Uh, I don't know that doesn't really get my 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 excited blood boiling or anything. It but. sounds like a time machine. <laughs> exactly. The next thing that we're going to start talking about is uh, is collaboration software and Web 2.0 and uh, and how that how that that goes. Well, hey, I tell you what, though, yeah. if I if I think back to my you know previous life uh, as an architect. This is brilliant, right? Back, every time I hear something new about Backstage, I dig into it a little bit further. I love it more and more. It's exactly what you need if you're trying to do that whole sort of developer relations piece around this is how we used to work and this is how we now work, you know, mm. how we now want to approach modernization and microservices and all those sorts of things. It's got so many tools to help you with that exercise of, education and um you know articulation of what it is that you want to do i think it's absolutely brilliant i'm really looking forward to this one all right all right well that was the news for this week and if you want to uh get the show notes you go to tanzutalk.com you can find links and other stuff like that and of course as i always like to advise people when it comes to podcasts when when you whether you whether you're doing it at work or or at home you need to uh log into all the devices that you have and subscribe them to this podcast. Now, if you've got multiple softwares, you've got the Apple Podcast thing, you might be using uh, Overcast, maybe the Stitcher, just subscribe to it everywhere. You don't actually have to ever listen to it. Just make sure that it's downloading <laughs> because that's, that's ultimately uh, what, what uh, I don't know, it's fun, essentially. So subscribe to it everywhere. Force your children to subscribe and listen to it, and they will become better people. Uh, I guarantee it, but you get your money back if uh if if i do not fulfill that promise so we'll see everyone next week and enjoy the uh the backstage interview all right that's a good pause all right i'm still streaming do you have anything you want to tell the uh the streamers <laughs> well uh yeah. I think they should probably um check out talks you know if they, if, if they like learning and like i do then they should check out the talks at vmware.com slash explore because there's there's loads on there yours is probably there michael i'm pretty sure one of mine is there um as well so so yeah go and have a look at those because there's tons and tons of content there and I, i've only scratched the surface and i'm already really uh, pleased with uh, all the different assets that have come out of that thing it's it's, it, it's like a winning lottery card you scratch the surface and you win no no matter what that's i don't, I don't know about that one every year i get a list of all the talks and i'm like i didn't catch them at the time i will watch them later next year i look back at that list i didn't watch any yeah. i never met the time i've got to do it now or it yeah we, we i think i think the three of us and probably everyone else in the world has that uh what was it the uh look at it later pile which is also known as the look at it never pile Absolutely. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never worked in my gag about Heroku being, uh, no, not Heroku, Nginx being 18 years old. 
Oh, There's yeah. so many things you can do legally now. You're 18. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a whole bunch of gags in there, but uh, maybe next time. Start start having some drinks, driving, voting, depending on what country you're in. It's uh... you can you can serve time in a real prison. Oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why they change course, you know. <laughs> I, I, you know, but back, because back, back in the states, you can't really drink alcohol till you're 21. At yeah. one point, I think in the 80s, if you were in Louisiana, like so many things in Louisiana, you could drink when you were 16 or 18. I forget, but like, it was, uh, it was always consternating for us teenagers that we could, uh, we could be drafted to go be in the military, but we couldn't uh, get a drink, and you know, in this <laughs> this strange area. But it was probably for gun, the better. Jimmy, right? You're licensed by a gun, but not to actually have a drink. Probably that also that also seems yeah that also seems like a good idea. <laughs> Separation of concerns, I think they would call it in architecture circles, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah exactly. All right. Well, speaking of good ideas, we should wrap this up, and uh, we'll we'll see everyone next week. Bye bye. Bye, folks. Well, Jen. So I, I, I walked into the keynotes yesterday and had some briefings beforehand and backstage kept coming up in conversation. <laughs> and then... That's music to my ears. Yeah, I bet it is. And no, no pun intended. Exactly. No. <laughs> Do you have any playlists that you'd recommend? I mean, uh, Rap Caviar is probably the most famous okay. of the, of the Hume algorithm. Okay. That's like our editorial team plus the algorithm doing its job. Um, nice. Butter is also very nice. Butter, I okay. I love that one. Yeah, I mean, I build my own playlists pretty maniacally. So, oh, do you? Yeah. I can, How many do you have? Oh, my gosh. I have probably at least like 150 playlists. Wow. Yeah. Do you, did, then do you, do you organize them by like classical or hip hop yeah. or genre? Absolutely. Well, I do, I do when semi-periodically. I used to do it like weekly for my team because I was very good. Like, oh, you were? Playlist, okay. And, then, and now I do it less frequently. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to you later about some playlists that you'd recommend. But butter and wrap caviar, I like that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so it kept coming up, the conversation, it kept coming up in conversation. And I'm like, backstage, backstage, backstage. All I'm hearing is backstage. <laughs> but I've heard a lot about backstage before. And, you know, the new stack we've written about backstage. Mm -hmm. And we've written about Spotify's open source efforts. Um, what do you see is reflective in VMware that they're talking about it so much? I mean, obviously you just detailed a lot of the reasons why, but how does it serve as a solution? Because you just brought up VMware with different solutions providers mm -hmm. that are helping enable people's use of building developer experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'd really categorize VMware as like I, the, the forefront provider in terms of like pushing this. I mean, the, this the tagline of this conference is the center of the multi-cloud universe, right? right? And that's like VMware's sweet spot. And what they're doing with with Tap and with the Tanzu application platform is they've built. Not only has VM is VMware an adopter of Backstage, so they've built their own their own developer portal that their teams utilize. You know, the ten thousand plus developers at VMware utilize, which is great. But they also made it the front end of Tap, so you can't use you can't use uh, tap without using backstage and ah. that's like extremely exciting for us you know we have this very um, big ambition to see more Spotify built software in all kinds of companies big and small and we VMware is, is a really critical partner for us to do that so for those who may not be familiar what does tap stand for 
I believe it stands for the Tenzu application, yep, platform. application platform. There we go. I was asking I'm like, you. Am I, using, am I using the acronym incorrectly? I was asking you because I was trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> kind of an old reporter trick. Um, but uh, yeah, okay, so they have built their own platform to manage their own developer teams. As I understand it, the TAP is sort of, or Tanzu is more, is, is like the new PaaS. It's the yeah. new platform as yeah. a service. Yeah. And I think that's kind of badass because I feel like PaaS got a, rap, a bad rap in the mid, the, the mid aughts, mid to late aughts. Bad rap. <laughs> a bad rap. Because people wanted control and they wanted VMs. And yeah. I don't think that they want that anymore. Yeah, and people want to be more hip. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, because like that helps you like be more modern. That helps you be more flexible to some degree. Yeah, I mean, I think like microservices and Kubernetes have have won the day. We've seen that over the past decade. You think so? I believe so. Okay. I feel like that's probably the most obvious okay. thing to say in 2022. Okay. Yeah, I think it's fair. <laughs> I think it's fair. So. What are the use cases you see from like other companies? And there must be companies that are in all kinds of sectors of the market that are using it now, considering the usage that you're seeing from it. What are some of the use cases you're seeing that are interesting to you? The use cases that we're seeing that are, you know, so it's like we, we often tell people don't start with the software catalog because ingesting all of your software and building it into this centrally managed repository is a lot of work, particularly if you have, like us, like tens of thousands of software components and like getting all, that, that is a big bite of the elephant, if you will. So yes. we often counsel external adopters to start narrow. And what we often see, and I think this is gonna segue into something you and I talked about before, is our documentation's a mess. Uh, <laughs> and we don't know yeah. where it is, and there's like 80 different microsites, and that's one of the places we started with as well. So, you know, uh, we, we often are like, hey, you know, start with tech docs and start with figuring out how you can like in encourage, you know, this kind of virtuous cycle of folks writing direct, you know, writing their their, their documentation in Markdown directly alongside this docs-like code solution that we built. Um, start by cleaning up your documentation. Start by determining whether or not you want to set up some, you know, with software templates and scaffold, or like whether, like, what are your sort of, we call them at Spotify the golden paths. So these like architectural patterns that we believe are kind of the best ways to do things. And can you can you kind of like really start to bring and standardize in a way that is not like sort of mandating, but more encouraging folks to build in the patterns that you want them to build in. So let's review once again the three major themes for backstage. Create, yeah. manage, explore. So tell me, okay, create first. Create first. Create first is really, uh, again, alluding to software templates and scaffolder, right. which is about cre being able to like create new software quite easily right. that's aligned to best practices. So okay. that's that standardization piece. You know, okay. like, and and that then that all of that software, whatever you've created, you can manage in this one centralized repository, which is the software catalog. And that's oftentimes what people think of as sort of the the sort of like backbone of a developer portal or like of this kind of single unified UI is the ability to see where all services and components are running regardless of how and where they're running. And then getting to see, you know, the metadata attached to that and who owns it and the documentation right alongside it within, this, within the software catalog. 
So that's kind of like, that's the, re the repo, if you will, like the centralized repository of software. Okay, And Manage. then on the explore side, oh, explore, right. that's about, and we have sort of a search platform that's a bit of BYO search engine, and it allows folks to um, ensure that there's really, really effective search, so that when people are like within their, their dev portal built off of Backstage, when developers are, are trying to find stuff, they can easily find it. Like the search entities will come up that they that for the right stuff. They'll be brought towards the right towards the right material that will then give them the information they need based on, on, on the other two. Did you build your own search or did you go to like an open source project for that? Search is such an interesting one because that was one where we we definitely had an internal version, but versus versus like kind of externalizing that version in a way. We went to the community and said, what do you need? And then we built it alongside the, con the contributor community. So Elastic then? Or? Yeah, and there's, the, there's Elastic, there's Postgres, there's everything that you okay. could need. Like, it's really like, which one do you want? Ah, uh, okay, okay. Um, and tell me, I'm curious about the documentation focus you put on it. What was the internal discussions about that? Like, why did you, you were saying that there were documentation matters you were trying to resolve internally at the time. Yes. That must have been part of it. What were yes. some of the matters you were trying to resolve? I definitely wasn't there, but I think the biggest thing is a little bit more of what I described was that this do the documentation was kind of a mess. It wasn't up to date. There was really no, like, there's no mandate to keep it up to date. And there was, and it was sort of scattered over a multitude of different sites. So if something did have documentation, you, which was an, a big if, then you weren't able to find it or the documentation would be outdated very quickly. And that is where the docs-like code solution of TechDocs came from. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's deployed directly out of Backstage, so it lives inside of Backstage. So it lived inside of Backstage, mm -hmm. okay. So it was easily accessible. Very easily accessible and something that people could, then people could really easily look up the documentation, know that it was up to date and it was, being, and it was right alongside the code. There was a conversation on Twitter the other day about trying to find documents in a very popular uh, platform. Starts with a G, second word D, starts with a D. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, but, and the, it was Google Docs. I don't need to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, all righty. But um, <laughs> I used to, I was at Google Cloud for seven years. Yeah. So, so what they did was, they said, they said you know, people were saying it's difficult to find docs sometimes. Yeah. You have a lot of docs in Google Docs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, like myself included, rely on recent. So <laughs> these are the kind of developer experience issues you must have to think about all the time. Constantly. Like, so how did you resolve these kinds of issues? How did you start thinking about them? I mean, how, what is the community like internally at Spotify to like, that enables that kind of discussion and get to the place where you are. Well, I don't think we're done yet by any means. You know, like there's so much more that we can do with Backstage internally and it is where we are now bringing a lot of that external innovation from the community. Like the core maintainers of the open source project are managing roughly 100 pull requests per week and 80% of those are coming from non-maintainer contributors. So it's safe to say the innovation within the open source project is coming from the external community and now we're pulling that in. But I think the other thing is about like how much focus you put on it. I mean, we have an entire, um, like we, we, we call them tribes at, at Spotify, but entire group, an entire group called Platform Developer Experience. That is their sole 
remit and mission, is how are we improving developer experience for all of the devs within R&D at Spotify. And I know that those positions and functions exist in other companies, whether that be platform engineering, or whether or not they do have dedicated DX teams, but I think it's, that, is, that is really the key, is like, do you have sort of the headcount and focus? Because I will say that like, creating your own developer portal, even based off of an open source um, platform like Backstage, is not easy work. There's a lot to do. Yeah, it's not easy work, there's a lot to do, and you bring up platform engineering, and I've been actually kind of writing a story about platform engineering um, based upon the discussions I'm having here. And it's interesting because you can look at platform engineering in a few different ways. You can look at it from like top down, sure, or you can look at it from like, for instance, application engineering manager mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. But there's also the point of view that it's also about process and governance as much as anything. So, sure. how, so is it top down? At, Spotify no. or bottom up? <laughs> I think that that's the thing is like something like Backstage wouldn't have come into existence were it not for the fact that like top down doesn't happen at Spotify. It is all about bottom up. It is all about incentivizing. It is all about uh, creating the virtuous cycles that'll, that allow people to do their jobs effectively but also do the right thing. And that is, I think, why, what's so special about it and why we believe, particularly as a cultural change agent, we feel like that's what's really cool about Backstage is the plug-in architecture, which allows for this, this marketplace of inner source contribution within your company. So the company that owns, within our instance of, of Backstage, there's only about four to six engineers who manage the core deployment internally. And then there's over 200 plugins that are that have been contributed by over a hundred squads, and that based on like them owning the domain or area of expertise. So, the pl the plugin that shows you the status of current builds is owned by the team that owns build systems. So the process and workflows are up to the teams individually. Well, then basically, the plugins the um, the plugins allow for people to contribute a. a, a use case to a common problem and then other teams can pick it up rather than having to reinvent the wheel. So it's, it kind of is these plugins that sit on top of, of, they can really be anything. Like they can be, you know, seeing the current status of data pipelines owned by the data team. We have a learning and development team, um, our, our tech learning team, that has built this incredible plugin called Skill Exchange, which is essentially a marketplace of learning and development stuff. So it's basically like your mini LinkedIn, but you also can explore like embeds, which are short-term opportunities on other teams, hacks, you can find hacks, um, start hacks and, and pairing and mentoring, um, in addition to like coursework or things that you wanna like skill develop and level up in. And that's a plugin embedded into, into Backstage. So it's really like, what do you, what do you want it, the, your dev portal to be? How do you want it to be shaped? Like, is it this kind of centralized software catalog at the most basic level, like that shows you all your services, or is it going to be this thing that moves your developer culture, culture forward in a bottoms up way, in a, in a inner source contribution way? What about, the, what, what about the pipeline though? Like what about like that, uh, like what about an automated pipeline that is kind of important to have in a tool chain, isn't it? Sure, yeah, and we have those. I mean, I, you're getting, my, my technical expertise is going to, is, this is where, yeah, this no is problem. where it, it's going to go. Yeah. But I think that the, we obviously have like a lot of automation built in and baked in, but you still get to decide like what your database is going to be. And in some, you know, we don't, we, we are a, a Google Cloud customer, absolutely, but we also have acquisitions that are using other clouds. And so we have, we have a lot of, we have a lot of different 
and if you want to be using open source technology within whatever it is that you're creating, then that's available to you too. So where do you go from here? Like you're now part of the, CN the Cloud Native Computing Foundation's mm -hmm. incubation project. Congratulations mm -hmm. on that. Thank you. And so where do you go from here? Like what are the next steps for, for what you all want to do with Backstage? Yeah, so we've, we've, t uh, we've talked about this. Uh, we we um, shared this with the community last year, so it's definitely not a spoiler. But um, at the Spotify level, I mean, our goal is sort of twofold. Is one is to like get Backstage or, the, or you know, get developer portals built off of Backstage into as many companies as possible, like make it the de facto standard. And we want that in part because we want to continue to see this open source community grow and create this more sustainable platform that everybody can kind of leverage common integrations and, 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 and build things that work for them and in the shape and style of what they need. And then the other is that at Spotify, we're also developing um, commercial plugins because as I mentioned, like we, we have um, 200 plus plugins internally at Spotify that we've built over the five years since we developed Backstage. And we think that some of those are going to be very useful to Backstage adopters. So we're going to be offering those on a paid license basis to, um, to Backstage adopters to plug into their Backstage. So there's a kind of an extension of your business model, isn't it? It is a little bit, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so you'll continue to open source projects then too, because I know you have a Ospo now as well. We do, and we, you know, the, us offering kind of paid plugins is not a, you know, moving away from, it's actually moving away from the open source project. It's actually a way for us to sustain our investment in the open source project. Yeah. Well, Jen, thank you so much. I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I feel so enlightened by this. I'm not <laughs> sure of the song that I would think of that would, that, that would kind of like express my enlightenment. But maybe is there a song about reflection that you can think about? Oh man, oh my! Literally, the only thing that popped into my head because I have a three-year-old is "Reflection" from Mulan. Okay. I'm not gonna sing it. Christina Aguilera did it better. Yeah, she did it better. <laughs> I won't sing it either. Okay. Thanks so much, Thank Jen. Thank you. Okay.